Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, Laura. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? We have someone with us. We do. Another guest today. So great. Oh, long, long time. How many years have we Almost been? 20. 20. Well, yeah, the age of our years. kids, right? Yes. Nicole. Yes. That's so awesome. Nicole Huggins is with us today. And this is a longtime friend, incredible woman of God. Yes, and absolutely. one of the most likable people you will ever meet <laughs> in your life. I know if you don't know her, you will love her just probably. Probably from this podcast, you'll be like, can I be best friends with Nicole? She's amazing. <laughs> She's, totally. She's amazing. So Nicole, why don't you start just by sharing, introducing yourself, like okay, share a little bit sure. about your life, who you are. Let us know who you are. Sure. Um, so who are you? How, Let's start with what? an easy question. Tell me your deepest problem. <laughs> um, so my name is Nicole and um, I am, I'm a Jesus girl through and through and have been for most of my life. Um, I'm originally from British Columbia which is a neat part of being from Ontario because I've been, I was, I've now been in Ontario 20 years. So it's a bit of home is both places. But in BC, um, my parents still live there. Everybody lives there. And I was raised mostly there. Uh, We became Christians when my parents were in their 30s. So I was five-ish and just really felt that impression in my heart that I've got to ask my mom about Jesus. Woke her up in the middle of the night and had a transformation moment. And um, yeah, I invited him into my heart, as we say in... uh, in our Christianese, sort of speak, which just means asked him to be my savior. But of course, you don't really know what you're doing mm-hmm. um, at that young age. So, but my journey began there, and um, we've I lived in BC for many years. I went to Christian education and into university with Christian education, and all of that was fairly strategic. I felt very strong that God had ministry probably in my future, but I wasn't sure what. And I'm I'm good at administration um, and I've also liked business and I thought well we'll look at those two things and see what God's doing and my parents had gone into the ministry and so you know this was the path that I was sort of pursuing and I had taken on some Leyland ministry you know just had done a lot of churchy stuff and um, through that I ended up working for an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ which is now called Power to Change Ministries and it was when I first began working there right at the early days that I met my husband, who was um, positioned in Ontario, but here I was a BC girl. So long story, long story short, um, he married me and brought me here sight unseen. And uh, we walked into Life Center <laughs> We're Church sorry that's that you had yeah. to live in Ontario. <laughs> oh, I you know. know, there's like a lot of stories behind that. Like if in the school I went to, if you were from Ontario, we could pick you out because you were a bit bold, a bit edgy. Oh, like there was this one guy. Really? Yes, this guy got asked me out one day. And I knew he had asked somebody else out the day before. I was oh. like, I'm sorry. We don't do that in British Columbia. <laughs> oh, and if you were from Ontario, you were like the scum of the earth because you thought you came from the center of the earth. So well, when I do. met Paul... <laughs> you put, him in his, <laughs> you right put us in our place, eh, in BC? You're like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. You came here. I don't want to hear it anymore. So we would do this. But the problem was is that when I met Paul, a boy from Ontario, 
my friends were like, hmm. Well, we'll see about that. Like, it was just so <laughs> funny. Anyway, so now that I'm from here and I've made Ontarioans um, yes. with having children here, it's like, okay, people, I've converted. So it's, <laughs> it's okay. I do live in the center of the world and it's fine. And um, I'm bold and, and, and everyone, It's all good. You know, it does matter when we vote. But anyway, um, <laughs> so so being here, um, we came here sight unseen and we were married in 99. And so I've been here and initially got... Um, I had children almost right away as soon as we moved here. And so, um, yeah, that's a story. <laughs> um, so that was a surprise. And that's actually how one of the main reasons that I met Lori when right. we were having our kids timed two weeks apart. Yeah. And that began a huge, like, mm-hmm. mom's group and, you know, the rest Life's is history. Long. Life. We did life forever yeah. and now here we are. And it's yeah. wonderful um, to have dear friends like that. And so in that whole process, um, I wasn't working, and but now I can... I've worked along my husband this entire time. He works for a division called Athletes in Action. And so we are technically full-time missionaries, according to the government of Canada. Um, and then, But I now work also for the government, and I work as a program manager. So basically, that administration piece is my um, day-to-day. And I just believe God wants me there and has put me there, and I'm just along for the ride. I'm not really a careerist, um, but that's who I am in a nutshell. So good. Okay. So I know you love to talk oh, about the yeah. Enneagram. Yeah, we need a minute. <gasps> just, oh, just a minute. Just good. A minute. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I haven't actually talked about the Enneagram on the podcast much. Oh. Like we haven't done one yet because I, I feel like I'm not knowledgeable enough yet to do a podcast. On I it, could but run I camp Enneagram. Super, super <laughs> passionate about it. Like I okay. love it. So it's in the it's in the future. It's in the future for sure. But yeah. Okay. Tell oh, us about sure. your number. So my number is an eight with a seven wing. And what that looks like in my life is that... That's the challenger. The challenger. So fun. They say that when you are learning about your Enneagram type um, and the narrative process versus a test is usually the best way to... And you're going to end up sitting in there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to sit on that for six months, eight months. But it's going to be the number that sort of hits you the wrong way, like, "Mm, crap, I think that's me. Yeah, that's hard. So that is for sure who I am. And... I've leaned into it a bit more, but what it does produce in me, um, like the Enneagram without the gospel is nothing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when you recognize your weak spots or you, you see God puts his finger on something, you're like, oh, that's my eight-ish. I have to work on that. (laughs) But it's helped me curb like uh, the intensity. So as an eight, and you'll see this in this podcast, I'm sure my intensity is a pervasive part of myself. I don't think about it. But I've learned through my studies that I am perceived as like super intense. And that <laughs> creates like a, a distance or a or like I just come off like so powerful in a space. Yeah. When I'm when I'm like, no, it's totally that's great. They're like, is it great? Is it great? like it's yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a little much. Um and so I've always had to wrestle with that. And we did through that time when we were all studying the book Captivating. And there's a line in there from Stacey Eldridge that talks about being feeling like you're too much. Mm. And that resonates with me mm. as an eight, that I, I can be too much. And so then to recognize in Christ, I am not too much. I'm just right. And right. that he wants to redeem that number for his purposes. Yeah. And there's a piece of the eight that's about justice. And I thought that is not me. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. So in my studies over the year, I've been studying it about a year and a half. I've listened to people talk about their number. Mm-hmm. And that's when it resonates because I go, oh, like if you hear yourself saying that's just not okay that's not okay (laughs) I'm like oh I say that almost daily (laughs) right because there are certain things that are just 
wrong. And I think I've hesitated to lean into those spaces because right. our calling, my husband and I, is it's already fairly stretching. Um, and right. so sometimes you're like, oh, I, I live in this tension of that is not okay. It's not necessarily my space to fix it. Right. So then the other side of that is that the Enneagram has wings and the nine side is a peacemaker and placid and heirs to being the most calmest and least energetic number. So the eight is the most energetic number. <laughs> and so then I parent a nine. So I, I recognize the tension there. It's helped me. In I my parent parenting. a nine too. Yes. I know you're nine. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess that right off the bat. Um, but um, I recognize that I lean seven. And so in some of the challenges of life, I've really had to recognize that these coreness of me, if I don't feed them properly, I can like it or acknowledge is a better way. Okay. Acknowledge that oh, that's why that bothers me so much because then I can release it to God in a fresh mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or this is, wow, I need to put in some fun time because uh, I'm weak here. I'm yeah. weak here and yeah. this is hitting me in a really, it's triggery. Right. Where I could just fix that. I'll right. just, just right. make a coffee date or something fun. Right. So right. yeah, that's a little bit of me in the Enneagram. Right. I'd love to know your numbers. Yeah. I think I know yours. You're yeah. a seven with an eight wing. I'm a seven with an eight wing. Yes. yes. And uh, so the Enneagram, if you're not familiar with it, it's much more than a personality test. It's not mm -hmm. just like a personality test. It actually helps you to discover the motivation for your behavior, the motivation mm -hmm. for why you do what you do. And it is crazy how actually accurate mm -hmm. it is. There are nine different types and everybody falls into one of those types. But the cool thing about it is that each type is expressed so uniquely. Every mm -hmm. single type is expressed very, very uniquely because we have wings, we have, um, you know, connections to other numbers based mm -hmm. on when we're healthy and when we're not healthy and all of So it's very, very, very broad in terms of how it expresses itself, but it's really fun. So yeah, I'm a seven. The seven is known, and Nicole touched a little on it there uh, as one of her wings, but the seven is known as the adventurer and really is, it is marked by somebody who avoids at all costs mm. any type of sad or negative emotion. So, and we'll go to great lengths to avoid anything that would Ron be and are just smiling negative at our dear or sad or um, anything that they would consider bad. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's a seven. So that's why they're, you know, fun and adventurous and they love mm -hmm. to make plans and they make plans all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're making plans is actually kind of a coping mechanism in order to not deal with the hard parts of their life because sevens have hard parts to their life, but they try to avoid it as at, at all costs. I have learned probably over the last, I would say, 10 years, very, very intentionally how to tap into the emotions in my life and not to see them as negative or positive, but just to see them as emotions and to tap into them, embrace them, but I will not sit in them and I don't sit in them for a long mm -hmm. time. There's just not how I process, but now I can mm -hmm. actually acknowledge them, which is a great improvement because probably for 35 years, I never ever acknowledged <laughs> a negative emotion, but it makes me a great friend because people want to be so my friend because I'm super positive and, you're fun. and so fun, fun and upbeat and Always something to do. super low maintenance too. I'm never so going to be the one that's going to be like, guys, I'm so depressed. <laughs> like you're never going to hear that come out of my mouth. 
Um, but yeah, but it is really, really fun. What about you, Rada? Yeah. Okay, I feel like I'm probably the baby as far as knowing information about but my you're, Enneagram. But you're pretty good. You're pretty yeah, good. yeah. Well, no, I, I know a little number. bit. Your yeah, I know number. my number. Okay. I'm a three with a two wing. Mm. So a three is a high achiever. So competitive. Um, very much a fail that loves to please people because there is a, a fear of failure. There's a fear they get a lot of affirmation from what they do. Super productive, super, super productive. high achieving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Different and from a one though. Like a one is this perfectionist side, mm-hmm. whereas the three is I I might cut a corner or two, but I'm going to get it I done. Look good, yeah. As and as images good, everything. Yeah, images, images everything. everything. And yeah. the funny thing is, I remember when I was reading my Enneagram, I don't know how many times <laughs> I've said to my kids, so, okay, what do your friends say about me? Like, what do they think? Do they think I'm cool? Like, do they like me? And the girls are all like, mom, they think you're so cool. And I'm reading the Enneagram. They're like, they're a little bit vain, very concerned about their image, what people think about them. And my kids started howling. Oh my and I was like, oh my goodness. I thought everyone thought like that. And I'm like, no. So funny. I, I, like, why would I care how a grade seven or eight feels about me? And I'm in my forties, but it really is part of the three. That's it is. So image funny. is a big part. For I know. I remember you saying that to me one time, you know, I, I, I asked my friends like what, you know, I want my friends. You said something like, I want, I want my, my, kids friends to think I'm cool I'm like Rhonda they just think you're old which you that to say that to her she's like oh how dare you it's like so offensive it was so offensive I know it's pretty funny now so anyways the three is very complex and we're pretty suppressive with emotions too but that's why me and Rhonda get along so (laughs) we stay fun we just shelve it and then we yeah we we, we, frame it but Holy Spirit is good like you're saying it's meant to be framed in the gospel and 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 then my wing is a two. Right. Helper. So helper. Definitely mm. love helping. And so that's kind of who I am. But I, I love when we just circling real quick back because mm-hmm. you said something, Nicole, that I just loved about the mom's group. I remember your mom's mm-hmm. group of when you guys, because that was before I had kids. Yeah. And I love, I think Lori and I were talking about this, how much you have cultivated community. Hmm. And like mom's group is one example. We talk about community, but I would love for you to speak into that because I feel like right now people in life are craving community. And that seems to be what we hear most of the time. I'm alone. I don't feel like I'm connected. I want to feel a part of something. I have a hard time making friends. Mm -hmm. It's belonging. Yeah. Yeah. It's that key core need of belonging. And I think that's what, when we talk about community or like from a definition, sometimes like because the three of us are Christians, um, sometimes we think community only has a certain lens, but community is found everywhere and in lots of different places, but it's always that core need that really, truly at the end of the day, Christ needs to fill. Yeah. So yeah. there's this wrestle for people that you see striving for community, but it is, it is a core need. So it's, it's a both end because as we like to say sometimes like Christianity isn't meant to be a solo sport. It's a team sport. Yeah. Like we need each yeah. other. We need each other for a lot of reasons. And the Bible is very clear about about not forsaking getting together as Christians. But community is almost different because yes, you can find community in your church and yes, you can seek out community. But being intentional about community can look really different for different people. Okay. And so people who volunteer on a hockey team or they coach their kids basketball or baseball team, they've set up a community. And they that's like sometimes that translates into and we have neighborhood barbecues and we get together and you realize that's your family that's your church 
And that's, you know, I can see it in other people in other spaces. And, and I think that's why sometimes church, uh, or not church, but work can be difficult because community is not allowed to be um, uh, developed the same way as other spaces. Like, for instance, if your kid plays on a soccer team, you're going to know those parents. Okay. But you work eight hours a day in an office in the government, for instance, as many people do in this town, and you're not really going to socialize outside of work very much. So even though you spend all this time, it feels vapor. It feels vaporous. It feels like Hmm. I don't have community at work. And so you're so you're looking for it elsewhere, which is where it matters. And so, yeah, to speak to that a little bit, Rhonda, um, I think I'm intentional about community because um, I have actually seen it done unwell. Does mm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I've I've been too close to people who are lonely in their later age and they haven't fostered relationships okay. because there's been other priorities. Okay. And so then I think deep down there's a sense of me of I'm not going to do that. Okay. Like being very, even very intentional, even like with our relationship, Lori, like recognizing like there will be times like we need to meet outside of our kids because they can't be the connector. Because when we're 40 and 50 and we need each other, when our kids are are bouncing and struggling, I'm going to need my community. And so I think back at that mom's group, I began to think, no, no, this has to be long term. Right. Like we're doing kids groups together and we're doing some ministry on a bigger scale, but really... If, who's going to be my go-to here? Right. And I think that's what I would say also is like when I'm thinking about community, I'm thinking about uh, mutually beneficial relationships. But at times, sometimes you have a community thrust upon you because maybe you're faced with a disease and now you're struck into a community of right. like-minded people. Right. And you all of a sudden have a choice. Do I engage the community? Right. Do I resonate with this community? How do I fit in this community? And then he goes into the idea of, well, is this my team or is right. this my tribe? Right. And what's the function of com- community? Yeah. But I think for our discussion, talking about friendships, I'm you're right. I'm, I'm super intent. So I'm pretty intense. So thank you probably for that, out, <laughs> which goes to like the eight, right? Intense. But I think it's, it's intention. Yeah, and totally. so truly, and um, that's what I love about uh, Jay, your husband, um, Rhonda, is very intentional. And I think like I just... Mm-hmm. I can see that in him as well, mm-hmm. that intentionality. And something I've always resonated mm-hmm. with is when I see intentionality or in other people. Um, because I am, I'm very intentional. And I think that sets me up for failure at times, which we can go into in other places. Because sometimes that intentionality, no matter what you do, you can't make something yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I'm, I'm strategic, if yeah. that's the word. I'm, I'm a little bit strategic about who I who I. Um, how I foster community. Right. And I, I think from a practical standpoint, it's, it's, you know, it's, you start, you start in small places. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I've learned over years that say I'm in a small mom's group. Well, there's, I'm not going to click with all 12 people, but I bet you there's two or three in there that I might really connect with. And, and then they might have a friend. And so even when, um, so over the years that yeah. develops and all of a sudden I have like core groups of people and, you know, I have, a, I have a university group that I'm super close with. We travel all the time together and we're, we're on a video app every day. And, you know, I have sets of, sets of those kind of groups and I feel so blessed. Yeah. And the intentionality is, 
literally choosing to keep in touch right. and to work at it right. from the standpoint of reaching out right. and, and exercising vulnerability, which your numbers are not so fun with, but I'm really good at <laughs> And so like, I, I don't know, I think as yeah. an eight, actually, they talk a lot about, and this I don't always resonate with, is that vulnerability, that we're actually really tender on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of vulnerability to accept rejection. So we might look like we got it all together, but it's really challenging to accept rejection. Like, but I think sometimes I wonder if that's the nine wing of mm-hmm. like peacemaker, like mm-hmm. can't, can't deal with friction. I, right. will, I will stop right. everything to right. resolve an issue with right. a friend or a husband or a kid. I'll do almost anything. Like I right. pulled kids out of school. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, like we're going to no, fix this. Like, deal with this. Okay. But yeah. um, intentionality. Yeah. And yeah. I think also just really recognizing that community has seasons sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, community That's has good. seasons yeah. and the people that are surrounding you might be for a season right. and to be able to hold them and what God has for them and the relationship loosely. And we, we hang on a little tight sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we need to allow God to edit <laughs> a little bit. One thing I've observed with you though, over many, many, many years is that like you are actually, or, or maybe like, again, you could correct me if this is just uh, uh, what it seems, but you seem to be very good at making yourself known to people. Mm. Like you make mm. yourself known, which is partly why I wonder if mm. how you've been able to cultivate so many deep and meaningful friendships. Like from the outside looking in, mm. you seem to have so many friends <laughs> and so many really, really, really good friends, like good, yeah. like quality depth of relationship. Now I know within that, you know, within that group of people, there's probably different depths and even different purposes for why you're in mm. those different relationships. Some more intentionally you're investing and others maybe are more intentionally investing in you, but you seem to have this beautiful ability to make yourself mm. known to people. Mm. And so I think that's one of the reasons reasons why you've been able to cultivate such meaningful relationships throughout your life and then maintain those relationships mm. for over such a long time. Oh, thank you. And I love that about you. I think there's, I appreciate that. And I do think that there's some sort of a God set in there for small group leadership because of that, because I'm, I'm very quick to be transparent with, with, with maybe stuff that's already been dealt with. Like, oh, this is my stuff. You yeah. need to know this about yeah. me so that you know yeah. that I can, I see you, I get yeah. you. But you just really reminded me of this this practice, and you guys are gonna, you might think I'm crazy, and we should. I just gonna I'm just gonna put it out. Throw there. it out. So I have a very very close friend who could see me um, when I moved from BC to Ontario. I lost sets of friends because I could not possibly maintain it all, and I felt I was the initiator. And that was a really struggle. So over that period of time, I'm still, I'm trying to figure out being a mom, trying to figure out everything. And so my best friend from BC was visiting and she said, you need to vet your friendships. I was like, what? Like, like let people go. She goes, no, you need to look at Jesus's model that he had multitudes, but he had the 72 that called themselves disciples of Jesus. Then he had the 12 and then he had the disciple he loved. Who are your 12? Who are you going to invest in? Who are the 12 you're going to surround yourself with? And who are you going to release into the 72 where you, you know, you see each other yeah, at a large group for, them, you know, like a hundred mm-hmm. people of moms and people. And, right. and like, I want to go deep with everyone. I think that's, that's who I am. I want to go deep with everyone. I believe everyone has a story and they're of value and I want to go deep and I want to yeah. know everything about you. Yeah. So I have the tendency to spread thin, but right. I have this inside okay. need to absolutely, um, 
go deep with people. Okay. I really, really okay. do. So I think that's really helped frame yeah. uh, for a couple of years. That yeah. really helped me frame. I literally put a list of women I would choose yeah. that these women get a call every week. In this se- right. And the, in this right. season. Right. And then, you know, it's not like I go through it every you know, for all of my dear friends listening, I'm sure like, oh, am I making the cut this year? <laughs> no, like, am I in the top three? Have I been oh, vetted? No. Oh my gosh. Shoot. Are you in the disciple that I love category? <laughs> like, yeah. So I think it's just one of those things. Okay, we're not Jesus. So. <laughs> They're going to yeah, totally exactly. stalk your house. they looking for that paper, that I'm poster. Gonna get, I'm going to get like flowers. Like some people are like, how do I get into the top 12? <laughs> yeah. So oh, I just think the like list. It's, it's not really like that, but it yeah, really is this yeah. part of mm-hmm. where God was mm-hmm. starting to say, listen, yeah. like you can't, you can't mm-hmm. do that. First of all, your calling's to your husband. And then yeah. your children, yes. Yes. then the people that I put yeah. into your life. Yes. Yeah. And I'm putting them in your life on purpose, but yeah. maybe not for as long as you think or for every season. And I think that's given me a lot more flexibility and trusting God that he would put people on my mind that I need to contact today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I, I can't. And actually, yeah. you've been a huge example to me because you've done that really well with people in small groups we've been in where you just sort of have good boundaries of like, I can't be your best friend, so I'm not going to, but I like you. I like you a lot. You know, I'm like... <laughs> How oh, do you do that? I, I actually, that. I think it's hilarious that you say that. You think it's, I do that well because it's been such a wrestle. It's I really because I see actually you do that want well. to be best friends with I know everyone. You do. I literally am like, I meet someone for the first time, like you are awesome. I want to be your best friend so bad. Like that's this why people so love great. you and follow you. But <laughs> I, you know, uh, yeah, I have learned and just like through maturity that you actually can't. But. Yeah, like that desire, all- right? Because you just think people are amazing. And I do. I think people are so, so I incredible. Amazing. I know, Rhonda, you're like that too. Oh, I you know. know. Like we you could just meet with people. people. So special. And in the moment, we actually feel like oh, that. Like we've said, it's oh not superficial, gosh. right? Like when Never. you're diving no. in deep, that's what you have. But you just realize reality is. Yeah. yeah. You can't yeah. spend that time. Yeah. And I think that was part of the motivation too, even to start a podcast. Yeah. Because we we Share something with more yeah, people. Yeah, because oh, we really that. want to be a part of people's lives and we just can't do it in the way one-on-one just as our circles are growing Mm -hmm. and we just love people and you're the same Nicole like when people meet us it's meet you it's not fake you intentionally see people Mm. pour into them pull from people and you're you make yourself available but the truth is we do have to walk Mm -hmm. we can't walk we have to walk in a closer circle in reality in life it's just impossible to maintain that with everybody but Mm -hmm. love how you're sharing that We're going to take a little break from the podcast with an exciting announcement. Well, our first set of dates for Heart Conference are sold out March 6th and 7th. We've sold out, Rhonda. That is amazing. Oh, I am so excited. Amazing. But if you missed your chance to get a ticket, we're launching a second set of dates. Oh my goodness. I know. I love this. I do too. It's going to be available for Thursday, March 5th, starting at 7.30 p.m., running into Friday, March 6th from 9 to 4.30 p.m. Conference is $89 and tickets are available at heartconference.ca. Ladies, this is your chance. If you missed out on the first set of dates, grab your tickets. It's going to be life-changing. The second set of dates is actually really ideal. If you are retired, if you are a stay-at-home mom with school-aged children, by the time your kids are getting home from school, you'll be done. If you even have just lots of commitments on the weekends, or if you have the ability to take a day off work, you can have your weekend still free and get this incredible transformational women's conference experience uh, before the weekend. I love it. And I have a strong sense, Lori, that God is going to take us out of hiding to reveal how he sees us when he looks at us. Amen. Well, ready or not, here we come. come. 
I'd love to move ahead because yeah. honestly, there are some topics I'd love to talk to you about. Lori and I have to talk to you, but I, you have gone through some curveballs, yeah, some crazy things. And I would just love for you. I just want to dive right in yeah. and talk a little bit. Like about, has life. Yeah. Has your life been the way that you imagined? Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Like has your life gone <laughs> the yeah. way that That's you imagined it would? That I intentionally set out in that one, that little life plan I had, um, you know, um, no, but yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, but yes. So I think, um, there's a, you imagined the husband. Okay. So here's the deal. I got to back up a tiny bit and it will frame, it'll frame why I say yes and no, because I didn't, you know, the Bible talks about, Paul says, you know, um, that he's able and abundant, able and abundant to give you whatever. I can't remember the verse now, <laughs> but in Ephesians, about, to Ron oh, and I all the time, immeasurably more, more than, than you, you could ever think imagine, or ask or imagine. And imagine. Yeah. And so I, but you know, there we go. So I would say that, um, when I was, um, before I met my husband, I had, um, I just bought a brand new car and I was driving on my way to church and it was such a gift. The car was beyond, beyond what I ever thought I'd get. It was a cute little car and which, oh yeah, I, we did, we did bring it here to Ontario, but it was, it was my favorite little car and I loved it. And I actually said to the Lord, I think I said it in my head, oh, I just love this. This is so beyond my expectations. And he dropped into my spirit almost audibly. And I'm not crazy. It was the only time where I looked around because I thought he was in the car. And he said, and so shall your husband be. And he sunk so deep into my spirit that at 24, and I met him at 25, 26. So I, I sat with that. Maybe I was 23. I sat with that wow. for a long time and every guy was, mm, you're not beyond my expectations. <laughs> like, yeah, it totally. was a bar. It was a bar. Wow. So, but it really was. And so, and then there was another word that came a little bit later from the scriptures and I was reading and, and God just pops out scripture sometimes to people and the scripture popped off the page and, and completely out of context. I, I do know that, but it popped out of the page and it said, a man from the East to fulfill my purpose. That's what I said I would do. I would do. <laughs> And so beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was like, and that will be Ontario. Because oh, I didn't yeah. even know. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And That's so, so crazy. Okay, stop there for a second. Did, did Was Jay the kind of husband that you imagined? Like, was he the the man that you imagined? Oh, I I think he was above. Yeah. More than what more, you imagined. More than what I imagined. What did, what did you yes. imagine you would end up? Well, like I think you for, and I were very similar. I think I, I, I pictured just, someone that would, like... I don't even know, Lord. Like, I think just average, like we'd work just, and yeah. I do ministry live and live life. average, but I never pictured like him. Yeah. And I actually almost settled in the sense for my own self. Mm, not yeah. this person was wonderful, but not for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't have that mm, picture of yeah. what this was to be. Yeah, totally. I don't know if that even makes sense. Oh, it does. No, actually. Totally. And that's why I think I answered it. It's like, yeah. I didn't know what to I didn't know. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. kind of what I knew is yeah, what yeah, I thought. Totally. And then when I met you, I was like, oh, yeah. oh, this is... How about for you? Same. Oh, no, same. Like way beyond my imagination or expectation. And even like getting to know Jay, even just the way that he treated Mm. me from the very, like from the very, very start, like everything from like asking me if he could kiss me or Mm. like, I mean, we were young. We were teenagers. Like how did he know to be so respectful and so like honoring? And he thought the world of me, like he thought I was just, and he made me feel like that. 
that. Do you know oh, what I mean? So and I, I didn't even know that that was possible. Yeah. I didn't really see that. You know, yes. I didn't really see that around me. And mm. any other guy, well, I mean, again, I was 17. So it was, there was never like a serious thing, but Bars any other little, yeah, <laughs> totally. it just wasn't what I pictured. I pictured, oh, probably being, I had actually a person in mind. I'm probably going to end up marrying this guy. It'll be fine. Literally, like, yes. that's what I thought. That so, guy's okay. like, oh crap. So Sorry. I think like that just sort of set the foundation for, I'm going to live a life and I don't know what it looks like and I'm okay with it. Okay. So okay. I, it was like, as long as I've got the right guy. Okay. So I think mm. working, working from that preposition, like working from okay. that space for okay. me was like, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine a life. I would go where he goes. I will follow him. I will have a marriage-centered life, not a children-centered life. Okay. I'll have a, um, we're going to have a kick-butt marriage. That's our mission statement. Um, And that we're just, we're just going to do whatever it takes to have that. And this, this is what we're going to do. And, and we talked about raising kids and having kids and, and we just, we're like, we're going to do this. And he was in ministry and I'm like, yeah, that resonates for all the reasons I said before. Yeah. I'm on brand with that. That works for me. And and I wasn't very challenged with the missionary thing because I could make a lot of money. And I was like, oh, that's great. God totally, you know, pulled the rug out from underneath me when I got pregnant right away um, because we uh, didn't have my salary, didn't have my income and nor my ability to make the income. And that was just a huge issue of God just working through the sovereignty of God issue in my heart. Um, and you were along for the ride because it was a long ride of finally surrendering to mm-hmm. the process. But um, just really that process of like, I don't, I didn't imagine a life. I think though, that over time you begin to have expectations based on behaviors. Okay. And I did begin to have expectations that, um, we'll have great relationships with our children. I prayed into them following God, hopefully for the rest of their lives, you know, seeing grandkids, you just kind of long life, the perfect picture, um, if we're a little hand to mouth, it doesn't really matter. Like it just, it was just sort of like, we'll have a great life together. Like it'll just look like this. I'll always have my best friend. I'll always have my teammate. Mm -hmm. It will always be, I will always have him. So it doesn't matter whatever life throws at me. Right. So I think that when you say, has it? No, for sure not. But, um, but that's part of the story. But yes, because I didn't know. And then life happens. (laughs) Yes. And, and the curveballs too. Like come. I know some of your stories and it's yep. crazy what, it what crazy. God allows in his grace. Yes. By his grace. Lives, by his grace. And, yep. and our you know, we've used the expression with our, our child who is working through something that um you know, God has allowed this into your life, but he holds so much back. It's like he's had a big, big wad of, in his hand and he's just holding back so much and then he just kinda opened something up and allowed something that's negative he did not cause it it is not from him but he's allowed this into our lives and we have an opportunity here and so we've kind of gone from this perspective and it doesn't always work it's a theology Mm. that that is pretty Mm. but then Mm. it gets rough like Mm. why why do these hard things happen yeah well there's that a little bit and you're a little bit like why do these hard things happen it's like well that's a huge, I mean, that's a podcast and a half, right? But yeah. I think I've always wrestled with, well, because if I have Jesus in my life yeah. and I go through a hard thing, mm-hmm. first of all, if if being a Christian meant that you would never um, experience hardship on this side of heaven, then everybody would sign up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we'd all like, like 
Yeah. Yeah. Receive Christ as your mm-hmm. Savior, and and yeah. then you you know go through the waters of baptism, maybe stay under a little longer, or go up to heaven because you've got no <laughs> point here. Yeah. So you have to recognize that we believe that God has a point for us to be in this earth, and if right. we, so we experience everything that everyone experiences. Yeah. But having mm-hmm. Christ in our life must change our response. Yes. And good. must challenge us. That's good. Because what is the point? Yes. And so, um, actually, your mother-in-law, as my casual mentor, has really drilled that into me. It's like, so you might have cancer, and you're going to be in a cancer space, but you have Christ in you, so you're going to be different in that space. And who knows why God right. has placed you right. or allowed you to be in this position. Right. Not He's not causing your pain and your anguish, but he's smack right beside you, right. and he's got provision for you in that moment, mm-hmm. and he's going mm-hmm. ahead of you in that mm-hmm. moment. So, like, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. And so I think when when our, when our things like that happen and you're teaching, you're trying to teach a theology, it has to line up in the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It has to line up. Yeah. And you have to go through seasons of, are you faithful? Yeah. Like, great is your faithfulness, but yeah. really? Do I? I'm not sure I really believe that. Yes. And even as I say that, I never, I have never, and this is, again, I think this is the eight in me. I am a challenger. I, I do not struggle with asking God hard questions yeah. because his shoulders are big enough. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the book of Job, that's what that's for, for yeah. me. It yeah. just is, you know what? I just want to ask the big questions yeah. and then you can just settle it that yeah, you're the God that puts every detail into every flower right. and mm-hmm. the Leviathan into the sea. Like who am I? Yeah. So, so what yeah. have some of those curveballs been? Let's 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 dive in. Shall we list them? What do you want? Yeah, yeah, order? yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you wanna what do you wanna what do you wanna dive into? You know, it's funny because when you go through something that's very challenging, you think I'm you know, I'm you don't recognize what God's doing in the minute, in the moment, but he gives you the grace in the moment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with what we've faced, people will come to us and say, I could never do that. I could never and I'm like no, because nor could we until God is in the middle. Right. And, and and then you can do that. So I do look at other people's circumstances with that lens as well, where I'm like right. gutted for them. Right. But I'm like, but God, but God is with yeah. them. And I yeah. will pray that peace into them. Yeah. And I'm just not going to dwell on it because that's crazy. Because my yeah. seven goes, nope, no, that's yucky. I'm, <laughs> oh, yucky I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. This feels good. I'm, I'm so good. good. I got to go for ice cream. Um, <laughs> So, like, so I think like, so one of the things that's happened in our lives, well, first of all, when we first got married, indeed, I, I joke a little bit about it, but I did say to the Lord, because, you know, obviously I'm a bit cheeky with God, because I'm a little bit like, hi, if you could just tell me what you're doing, I'd really appreciate that. And on your timelines, and I'd really like to know that. And I've been very pers- like directive with the Lord, like, I would love to know this. Like, if you could just show me tangibly today, I would really appreciate that. But it's in this place of friendship where I'm like, I know that you've got me, but could you just show me? And he's just been so faithful because he's so uh, personal. Mm. But in that, when we first got married, I had this list of 52 things in a husband. And Paul was like all of them, except a couple (laughs) of physical ones. And um, but I also put on the list towards the end of and I would love three or four years with just him because we dated long distance. We hadn't developed um, a rhythm of family friendships, um, established myself in my interests and hobbies and career and music. I was a musician in British Columbia. I was known for that. I was in five or six spaces of music and was it was a drought coming here because um you have to reestablish. And so I was like, that's fine. I'll reestablish and I'll get in this group and I'll do this and that. And in my own strength, and I'm going to do it all. And it doesn't matter that we have no money and we're broken. We're brand new. It's fine. I'll make money.
funny. It'll be okay. And just have all of these expectations. And we'll have three or four years. And then we'll think about having kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we were actively choosing not to have a child and doing, you know, outside of abstinence, everything in our power to not have a child and got pregnant regardless. And um, and for all those wondering, there is that 1% on the pill, for sure. <laughs> so that was my story. And so we were just like, no, no. Like, you're just like, can't even, he can't even look at me. It's just like, he's throwing up in his mouth. Like, we cannot be doing this. Like, we got married five months ago. This, it was just, it was really difficult. And, <laughs> and I always laugh so hard because I at one point said, I think I need to tell your sister we were visiting. And I'm like, I'm just, can I just reach out to her? I think maybe I'm pregnant. He goes, oh, please, by all means, go ahead. So I mentioned it to his sister and she says to me, oh, that's okay. He won't leave you. He's a good man. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Didn't cross my mind. Didn't cross. Now that's crossed my mind. But no, I didn't know. I it think just it's hilarious. A, it was just a perspective. I think it's hilarious. Like just because everyone's story is so different. And you're here telling a story about, you know, one of your first trials and challenges was <laughs> that you got pregnant too fast. And one of my first trials and challenges was that Jay made me wait so long <laughs> oh, yes. to have a baby. I was literally like, like Hannah, like, God, please, please. Despite what he's Let it just happen. Yeah. Let my pill not work. Like, please, God. Like, I just pull all the goalies, Jesus. Like, we're having fights. And you oh, like, yeah, it is. But it shows but it's people's story. Isn't it so interesting? Like, people's stories. Well, like, literally. Because right? it's a disappointment. At the yeah. end of the day, all that was, was a disappointment. Yeah. It was an or arrangement. Wasn't, it wasn't the picture you thought, right? And it was an arrangement it, I had in my yeah, head. Like, yeah, you're going to totally. do it. Like, look, so far you've hit A, B, C. This yeah, is going to be fine. So it was a disappointment. And having to really wrestle through that his timing is not my timing. Yeah. And um, that the gift is there and, and all of that. And so, you know, that's just early days, figuring that out, figuring out his faithfulness as a new new couple and all of those things. And then we just went on with our lives and life life was what it was and was fairly routine and good. I mean, you have some challenges in your parenting or um, just life ministry. We had definitely leadership challenges that have brought us into great spaces and some unique spaces and, and that's been fine. So it's just kind of all part and parcel. But then our daughter, when she was 11, um, began to be unwell and we picked up on it fairly quickly that we felt that she perhaps had type one diabetes, which is an insulin dependent diabetes. And it is not uh, about what you eat. It is just uh, your pancreas has been attacked by your, it's an autoimmune disease. And we recognized the signs super quickly because my sister's daughter has type one Mm. and was much more seriously declined when they realized it. So through her story, we could see the signs immediately. And in in that time when you like we're looking at each other like this kid is sick like and we know what she has but it was a spring break we were away from home so we began to do what we kind of knew to do to control some of the symptoms and and we're just getting back to Ottawa we just got to get back to Ottawa we're going to sort this out and um, there was a prayer meeting that night. And we, uh, on a Sunday night, which was rare, we don't often do that at Life Center, but we had sort of a worship prayer night for sure. So we all go and um, your in-law, your in-laws, but like Mama and Papa Boucher, as we call them, um, they were sitting, sitting close to us. And I felt very like we got to go ask them for prayer. And we went over and um, said, listen, we, we're going to go see doctors tomorrow. We think maybe this is what's happening with our daughter. And um, they prayed us and they were amazing and and comforting to Mackenzie who was very scared and then Mrs. Boucher said we're going to pray for a miracle 
And then we're going to watch God do the miracles. We're going to watch those miracles happen. And he will be there. And it was just the perfect framing for us. And we went in with such peace the next day. We realized she had type 1. We got the blood work back, and we started our journey with the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario and what that looks like and all the training, and you're giving needles. And it's traumatic. It's, oh, it's yeah. truly traumatic. Yeah. And both of you have personal experiences yeah. with your family and loved ones yeah. with type 1. So yeah. we're all here in this room representing someone. That's crazy, yeah, it's actually. Cra- it is bad crazy, stat. actually. That's yeah. a really bad stat. Yeah. So, you know, the nuances of the disease and what that means, we're all just kind of... Of like wrapping our heads around that but in that place we were watching those miracles like it's I am very very weak at hospitals very faint I can't I don't do hospitals wow. and we were there for days and I was giving her needles and it's like this is a miracle this that I'm a nurse wow. this is a miracle that I can do wow. nursing that I can bring in strangers into our home to teach us how to do this and and we can just absorb this information and that it's a miracle to see her brother adapt into this situation it's a miracle to see her resiliency it's a mirror like we could just see it we could see the support Mm. we had great support um from every every piece and community and you know it just it was a situation where our daughter had was struggling at school as well and this gave her such street crud that she had to give herself needles to stay alive kids all of a sudden <laughs> were like who are you whoa you're like bionic like <laughs> and so she became confident in herself and she began to work through like okay but a little piece of her was broken that day of like god is all awesome and i love him and then but but your mom's telling me that he's allowed this into my life. Like I can't work with that. And I have to live with this for the rest and of after my life. I don't like that. And and I don't even have a concept of that yet. Yeah. And so she's had to walk her own journey on that. And we've been, I'll circle back to that in a different story, but we've walked alongside her. We have seen her struggle and we have watched her rise above it in yeah. the sense of allowing God to meet her deepest needs because mm-hmm. you flounder as parents and you flounder and you can't do it for them. You can't, you just, live the truth yeah so we fast forward many years and she's become an incredible woman and and she's great and and lovely and then a couple of years ago and I won't go too much into the details but in 2017 um, my husband and I are very we get along super well super easily we've always experienced great communication at this point we've been married you know almost 18 years just everything is easy and we began to experience a bit of like friction and and these points that weren't making sense. And this was probably June 2017. And now I can look back and see that there were starting markers of something that was more nefarious coming along, but we uh, we didn't see that. And so I'd only say that to say that when when everything sort of happened, we were already I was already going, what is going on? You know, right. like this isn't us. Something's like changing. something's wrong. I'm confronting him on a regular basis. I'm intentionally asking him questions. <laughs> you know. And he's just a little bit oblivious, like not oblivious, but just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really see it. And then he started to get headaches and things started to physically bring him down. And I remember saying to him, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, you're starting to lose days here. Like, I think we need to see a doctor. Something's not right. And so, um, long story short, we we move into January, and he we're, we're going to go skating on the canal. He had had, at this point, I'd already brought him into the hospital for migraines in the early morning one time. He had a killer migraine. He's preached with that migraine. And he had that migraine for 30 days in all of January of, the, of 2018. And so, in the middle of that, he lost his eyesight in one eye. And it was just like... This okay. is really going downhill. Like we, not, something's wow. not right. And it turned out to be inflammation behind the eye. And um, 
anyway, long in the story short is that we proceeded with, you know, now we're in a neurologist room and now they're like, okay, you just have migraines and this eye thing's a little weird and we're going to look into that. So um, they proceeded with that. So we had an eye specialist, we had a neurologist and we had regular doctors. And then um, things were starting to look a little up, like he had all this great, incredible medication and resources and it's a slow time in his work. And so he's resting and we're like, okay, okay, like maybe the normal is going to start to happen again. And then it just there was just a few things that were not normal and he was struggling and I was like, this is so weird. So we have a few pivotal moments where it's like, what was happening? And then on February 13th of 2018, he had a stroke, a serious plum size stroke. And it was so unexpected. He was 44 and Hmm. none of the markers of somebody with stroke. So (laughs) you're sitting in the room and there's like a poster stroke. Look for these signs. First of all, none of those signs. But the other thing of like, these are the markers. If you have these 10 things, you need to be on the lookout. Not one, like not one. So like in the natural, this is not the dude for this disease. And so it's been such a journey from that point. And we can see God's hand of, um, how do I say, like, we know it could be much worse. We, we know that. But that doesn't diminish what is right. mm-hmm. the worst that what we are in. What you've had to walk. Yeah. Yeah, what mm-hmm. we've had to walk. And so it has it has altered, to go back to your first question, of this is what you imagine, this is not what I <laughs> Nope. <laughs> so yeah. it's truly altered that. And yeah. um, it's it's been extremely challenging. And, and we're still walking in the middle of it. And, yeah. you know, I'm able to speak about it from this place of, um, of like, I'm not, I don't know if I've accepted it. And yet I know I've totally accepted it. Like it's it's this place of like, yeah, each day is a little bit different. Each day is a little harder. And if, if I, it's interesting when somebody you love like that goes through such a very difficult Mm -hmm. time, people focus on how's he, how's he doing? How's that? Yeah. And recognized very quickly I had some good people good community around me that Mm. just said hey you're also in the middle of your own circle Mm. you're also in the middle of your own trauma here so we're gonna make sure to to we got to do that well because basically I'm in his caregiving care for you and but I need to get care for at the same time so we had some really good people some really great amazing resources um we're still completely walking a road um and I think the most challenging road is that he looks normal and beautiful and lovely. And he is lovely. And he is he is Paul in so many ways. That's my man on the outside. But he his own frustrations and yeah. his own things. Yeah. And he knew himself for 44 years. Right. And now he can't depend on himself. Yeah. Yeah. And and so never mind that impact on uh, to have a personality shift in, in yeah. or different areas shifting um in our own relationship it's like how 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 can i be that needy when he's just going hey i gotta i gotta gotta need to figure out who i am so we jokingly talk about um paul 1.0 as my original model and then (laughs) this is 2.0 and um and just trying to basically sometimes frame what we need to frame in that regard of like working through some of my emotions that generally in the first year it's like not something he was very privy to at all with how I was handling it okay um because that wouldn't be appropriate just because uh I needed to go outward you can't go to the source of the pain right no no, totally it's not his fault so that's to process all that yeah yeah I love what you shared about yourself Nicole because I think those that are listening may not be going through a situation right now but someone that they love or know very well is going through it Mm. and 
you know, it really is both of you going through it. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a truth. You definitely, you, you focus on the one that is definitely feeling the pain or going through the, the physical or emotional trauma that they are, but that spouse or their partner is going mm-hmm. through it as well. Mm-hmm. It just looks different on how, but mm-hmm. there is, there is a lot on their plate that they're mm-hmm. trying to manage. Mm-hmm. So what would you say ministered to you during that time mm-hmm. when you're saying friends came around you? What does that practically look like for someone that's listening to say, oh my goodness, like what could I do, could I do for mm-hmm. someone I love that's going through that? What would you say to them? It's a great question. I think it's unique to the individual mm-hmm. who's in the pain um, because what I might need and what someone else might need might be a little bit different. So, you know, you need to know your audience, but I think there's a great ministry and presence. And, but then for some people too much is too much. Yep. So I think I found the, I've, I found through walking our daughter through type one diabetes, I learned in that space that in community at times, you sometimes have to know who's on your team, who's going to take the time to understand the disease for in that position, Mm -hmm. to understand the disease a little bit, to appreciate the now changes in your life. Because again, on the outside, she looks normal. Yeah. And so what's wrong with whatever? I don't even understand. What's the big deal? Everybody has type one. Everyone does. You know, like, yeah. And so, I recognized quickly the people who were a bit unsafe. Right. And they were mentally off my team. Like they were just not people I could rely on. And that was absolutely fine. Gave me permission to have a great relationship with them without those expectations. Right. So I learned that lesson as, you know, somewhat the hard way and awkwardly way in the, in that season. So I brought that into this season where it's like, I cannot possibly expect anybody to know this to know the pain of this. Right. I just can't. Right. That's not realistic. But you wouldn't believe, well, you would, because God is such a cool, amazing God. But um, when I experienced this, like when I recognized what was exactly happening, I was working for the government, but under a temp agency. So I called my temp agency person, mm-hmm. who was who her name is uh, Jen. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing that. She's amazing at her job, if you ever need a job. But <laughs> Jen... Um, Jen's husband, his name is also Paul, had had a stroke. And I had met her for coffee because we just connected. And she told me that. And of course, she was she didn't expect me to know anything about that. So it was just sort of like, oh, wow, that sounds challenging. Do you have kids? You know, we moved on. So here's a year later, I phone her. I'm like, um, my husband just had a stroke. <gasps> I'm on it. I'm on it. And wow. she does not know Jesus. Like, she was just like, I got you. Aww. I know what you need. I know how you're going to feel. And, you know, here's your benefits from this situation, blah, blah. And she just really helped me out. But she is like, so in my backpack. We met last week. Wow. There's nobody like her that just, we finished each other's sentences. Wow. We both had these incredibly uh, vivacious men that have been affected, so impacted. So we really have this great camaraderie. So that's, you know, God has put that person. And then I think... um, so God provides. And yeah. so look for the provision. I would say look for the provision. Don't hold yourself off. Look for the provision and say yes when people ask you. From a very practical standpoint, when the impact of the crisis, initially you're in a crisis situation, when the crisis happened, people would say to me, what can I do for you? Or can I do something for you? And I had heard and learned over the years that the best thing to do is saying, I think I'm going to do this for you. Are you okay with that? Like, I'm going to come and clean your house. Are you okay with that? And what day? Can I come Tuesday? Like being very specific about meeting a need that you could see. Or I'm going to pick up your kids today because you have a lot going on. Okay. 
So, That's you know, helpful. so, so saying you look at their lives and go, what can I do? But I think also in that is whenever anybody said that to me, I, they were genuine and so heartfelt, these measures. And I made a list. I just wrote a list. I just wrote a list of every single time anybody said that. I, cause they texted me and like, you know, we did a lot of yeah. that. And I just wrote this giant list and I had a list of, and I kid you not, probably 20 people. And so then when you had a, oh my goodness, I'm now sick because it was so traumatic. So I was homesick one day and Paul can't drive. And I, I'm i like, I need medicine. Who could get me medicine? And I went through the list. I'm like, that woman can get me medicine. She's five mm-hmm. minutes away. And I wow. phoned her, um, would you do this for me? Absolutely. Just did it. We e-transact. She brought me flowers. Like, it's just like people yeah. were like so helpful to help. Like, right. oh, I right. do something right. tangible for you. Right. You know, this person needs a ride. This We need this happen. Could you pick up my kid? Like, just... I just had this list. And so whenever wow. anybody's in trauma, I'm That's always powerful. like it's telling really them, got to keep too, that list. To reach out to. Like, re- yeah. Because you have to, because I don't yeah. like, what are you going to do? But then there was a couple of people who just said, listen, we're starting a meal train. I'm like, please do. Right. Like just, right. just run with it. Right. I don't need to know anything. People showed up with spaghetti sauces and put it in my freezer or yeah. thing. People were doing very practical things. And it was really great in the crisis. I think what happens then you get through the crisis and you're looking for me, I crave energy and, and I clean when I'm stressed. And so my house was spotless, (laughs) you know, my house was spotless and food is made. And like, you know, like I, it's a way of coping as well as to get back into some of that normalcy, but the emotional whiplash now needs to be attended to. And I was very careful. And I had one friend that stuck closer than a brother. And I just like, I just called her every day, like every day she just, you know, she would just say to me, well done you, you yeah. got this. Yeah. And that's all I needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I vetted down to the one, but I had four or five that knew, right. knew a lot. Right. But the uniqueness of that one was like, understood me and my marriage, yeah. understood what yeah. the challenges mm-hmm. were in the moment and just on our team, like just a hundred percent for us and not, and just just could just be there and it wasn't a lot of practical it wasn't like right but but showed up like would come to my work for lunch almost every week like it was just when I look back I'm like wow so sacrificial but like yeah it is what you do you show up the power of presence right yeah wow so yeah that is so beautiful. That oh, is really, beautiful. really powerful. Yeah. And that that's the full circle moment back to community, right? Mm-hmm. To cultivating that community and being intentional and being known and allowing people in your life and allowing yeah. people in your space. And then there are people there for when you're walking mm-hmm. those things. That's beautiful though. But making a list, that is such a practical, practical yeah. idea, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. cause people often will do that. They'll message you on Facebook, yes. you know, and they'll, and I, and I genuinely think when people say like, is they there generally I can do. do, I trust do for it. you? Like, I trust it. I think they mean it. It's not just mm-hmm. a gesture. Mm-hmm. Like people, you know, when you're going through something, but yeah, just to have that list because mm-hmm. often I, I can imagine in different seasons too, like thinking in that moment, who, who can I ask? And I, I wouldn't remember who I would said that to me. never have remembered. You know, that. I wouldn't Never. remember, but to actually, mm-hmm. love practical. Well, it just, you just oh, had so to, intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just had to, which yeah. is funny. But You're eight. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to go eight. But um, makes me really good at my job. We're but, getting schooled right. by Nate here on how to be intentional. <laughs> Everyone, listen up. <laughs> but like, it's totally true. Like, you just like those practical things of, but and one of the things when you speak about community, and I, 
I don't know if this is a bit, how to say this the best way. When people reached out to me on text, I responded to every single text. Right. Wow. We right. spend like an hour every night taking a minute to say thanks. Right. Thank you. Right. I'm going to note your name. I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you. Because that's friendship. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just take in the moment. I'm not going to be like unchristlike in that moment just because yeah. I'm in pain. Right. Now, that said, I don't, if I couldn't do it that night, I wouldn't do it that night. Yeah. Like, wait till you're yeah. in a good space. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, no, yeah. this is such the an honor to have these people asking yeah. and, and coming yeah. close. Yeah. And I'm not like, wow. Yeah. And, and you are so good at that. Thank you. Handwritten thank you notes. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you but are I, I, very, very, your attention to detail like that is, yeah. yeah very intentional. Powerful. Yeah. It's very powerful. <laughs> I'm like, that's we have a, a lot to learn, but that's a beautiful that's, part yeah. of the community too, how yeah. we can learn from each other yeah. and grow. And I think you're just sharing some things today, yeah. Nicole, that are really yeah. helping people frame things in their own life or just to feel yeah. like, oh, I can make a difference in someone else's yeah. life that's Such going through something that yeah. doesn't have to be, that no. sometimes we have in our mind, it's got to be this big thing, but those this grandiose gesture. But. That's right. Those or you sit- have to make a meal or that's the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we have, all of us have a friend going through something right now. And so I was like, I know this person. Mm-hmm. I know what she needs. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of th- tossed it out to a bunch. Like, mm-hmm. what if we just paid for this to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and we're, you know, we no, actually went money. after that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not that challenging. It's not yeah. that, it's yeah. just like, you know, the, the, person, the person closest to you kind of has that yeah. resonance. And I think also with the family, like not, not forgetting the family and people did that with us super well. Like they gave us a gift basket that was stuffed with stuff. This one, one organization gave us this gift basket that was stuffed with stuff that was just abundant and over the top and had teenagers in mind, you know, people showed up like, I mean, the day of you, you see your friends, you know, your friends. I, I, I mean, I'm, I am blessed. Like, Yes, I'm intentional, but yes, I am blessed. Yeah. And you know, but where the intentionality comes in and where the wrestle is as a person is at times to recognize that just because that's your gifting or that just because that is in your wheelhouse is yeah. a better way of saying it. Yeah. Just because it's in your wheelhouse and it's kind of how you roll, that's not how everybody else rolls. So do not put that expectation on them. The mm. um, As we wrap up today, mm. I do want to ask you one more question because I know that like throughout a lot of these journeys that you've been on, you know, you've used this word joy Mm. and joy has been Mm. a real anchor for you. So what have been some of the ways that you've cultivated joy in the midst Mm -hmm. of difficulty, in the midst of Mm. hardship and hard times that have helped to just anchor you, um, give you these reprieves Mm. from the pain? What, what has, how has God been faithful in joy? in your life well it's really interesting I was just listening to you guys' podcast on choosing your word for the year mm. and I've chosen a word for the year it's a discipline that we do as well and um but last year I had sort of that moment of, of like you were discussing like when God gives you the word you don't really get an option or say about it <laughs> and so last year coming into 2019 after dealing with um, our realities for about almost a year uh, I felt like God said to me your word is joy and I fought it. I looked at him a little bit and was just like, how, how, how am I going to find joy? I can't even imagine. And I I would tell you a bit more about it, but it does bring me to tears. I still can't get quite through it, but um, I'll try my best because I think there's value in that. But there's this verse that um, our church was really focusing on because I recognize now that it was probably part of what God was telling you, but was this verse in Isaiah that says, see, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Right. 
and do you not perceive it? And he had already resonated with that with me. We had, uh, you know, I'd had people drop that verse into me two or three times. Different people had been saying stuff like that. There was this thread in my personal time with the Lord. There was just this big sort of thread. And I'm like, I don't. And I even was talking to, I have a counselor because this is like a team sport. And it's been really challenging at times. And so my wonderful Christian counselor has, you know, I was challenging her like, new thing did he say best thing did he say better thing I don't think he said better thing you know I'm like it's just not feeling like a better thing it's just like well the heart of God is it's a better thing I'm like I can't really comprehend that so I was really really choosing by faith to believe that he had this new thing but when I asked him in January with the word joy I said but how how are you going to do that and he just was like I said I need a fresh vision for my marriage yeah and it and he just went right behind to verse 18 that says forget the former things do not dwell on the past. Wow. And it was this pivotal mm. shakedown, like just internal mm. shakedown. I just sat there and bawled and got angry a little bit. Like, no, because I'm the keeper of the marriage. I'm the only one that remembers everything about it. Right. I'm the only one. Right. Mm. And I can't lose this. Like, I'm so valuable to me. And it's so. Right. And even now, a year later, I'm like, wow, how temporal, how temporal of my thoughts. Wow. You know, how, how immature. But at the time, it was just like, I can't, I can't let go. I can't let go of what was to embrace what is I can't I can't I can't do this and he's like no you're gonna and joy at the same time so I think it's really been a year where I was like okay I'm gonna see what that means Lord I'm gonna lay my heart on my sleeve here with you and you've got me and we're gonna do this together and so joy became this anchor and people talk about in the Bible says, joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm not sure that I wanted to go on trite. I think I just wanted to lean into what do you mean, God? What do you mm-hmm. mean for me? Looked up every scripture related to joy, mm-hmm. sat in that place. I told a lot of people, I told my inner circle and they surrounded me with that. They sent me verses. They sent me uh, ornaments. That cr- like the whole year I was getting stuff for my birthday in April. I got a book called Joyful and it was about all of these things that bring joy in, in the world. And um, it just felt this sense of, I would look and go, oh, I have great joy in that. And at the same time, also, as this was all going on, our daughter left for a year. So we were launching our baby. And I was like, and I'm going to have joy. I just right. watched my firstborn walk out the door for a year. Yeah. I'm never like, that was January 6th. Right. So I'm like, I don't know how God's going to do this. But I've, when you're looking for it, you see it. And then mm. I would see these moments mm. of great oh, joy, there it is. right? It's Those beautiful. moments, if you're not looking for it, if you're not saying, God, posture my heart. If you don't look for those moments of yeah. joy, like even quiet moments or yeah. like with um, somebody in stroke recovery is has a very strong season of active recovery initially, and then it's incremental. Okay. But every time there would be a little something that wasn't there before and now is back, it would be like, wow, joy. Wow. Joy. Joy. And I no longer take that for granted. And and the so joy upon joy. Yeah. Like, whoa. And so just this recognition of whoa. And I now have to do this life being needing of nothing but Christ. You have to be my all. Like I have to find joy in you. Not in because it's been easy to have joy because I had this incredible relationship and I had these incredible friends and I had this incredible like it was easy. And that's what I mean by like do I really believe you got in the trenches? Like there was a moment for sure in the September before that, where I literally laid out before the Lord and said, um, I don't know if I, I don't know. 
I was singing in a wedding and I had to sing all these songs that were about the faithfulness of God and he's so good and I could hardly get through them and I had to do that for like six weeks you practice and and then later (laughs) the groom later asked me to record it later and I was like no (laughs) it was such a dark season (laughs) for me I will not do that for you yeah it was 2019 should have recorded it what am I saying like I just I could not even comprehend going back into that dark space yeah but I was so like God, I'm going to have to trust you that you're all of the words of these songs. And to go full circle, when our daughter was struggling with that, when I I remember a pivotal moment where I looked at her and I said, I think I get you. I think I get you and your wrestle with God. Is Hmm. he faithful? Is he good? I I get you. And she's like, it's been my whole life, mama. Wow. And we just looked at each other and I was like, God is good. We'll regroup. And and right. we and we did and we've moved right. on. And God has done a separate work with her that's beautiful in her own yeah. story. But for me it was like this moment of if I'll I do it all again, just have that moment of I get oh. you, I see you. Wow. You know, because because like she has lived in that place for so many years going, but my parents just keep preaching this one thing. Yeah. And instead of going I can still believe this about my God, yeah. but right now, do I, I can know come it? To this moment, with like, you. do I really believe that? So I think that going into the year mm. of joy, I'm going to give you joy in the middle of the struggle mm. because I knew you have to yeah. struggle that all out. Yeah. I've had to just struggle in the yeah. depths of my faith and the yeah. depths of what I believed about myself, where my mm-hmm. identity was, mm-hmm. where I was getting the cues to my identity, mm-hmm. whether what I what affirmations I received on a daily mm-hmm. basis that I took for granted. Um, you know, just the things that ping back to you. Yeah. And just recognizing like if that is not rooted in Christ, and I would have said, I would have walked in and said, no, I'm rooted in Christ. Now, and truth be told for our listeners, that is the reality of like, oh, I was prepared. Like when that tragic crisis happened, I was rooted in Christ. I had a prayer list. We were doing a 21 day fast for a church. I had just finished. I had just been fasting and praying for for what God wanted to do. I had just been, you know, focused on the Lord, poised, prepared. On fire for Jesus. You know, you're, you're doing what you're doing in your life. You can't just be like, like you recognize like it. It pulls on what you have already established mm-hmm. in yes. the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he's going to take you to the next season mm-hmm. of yeah, what it absolutely. means to now yeah. work through the rest of That's that. That's right. So, but I would really say to be absolutely frank with you, joy comes to me with like extreme use of color, extreme use of pattern. Um, like think there are things that bring me joy. And I've recognized over the year that with my seven wing, I have to see it and have to look for it. Okay. And so this book called Joyful really has enlightened me. It has showed me why certain patterns are pleasing to people, why joy is found with kids and abundance and like why gumballs, like a room of gumballs make you happy or hot air balloons. Like there's something about the symmetry and there's all of this other stuff. It's super funky. So so I have purposely said, I'm going to buy that polka dot shirt or I'm going to buy that. Like I've purposely, yeah. oh, I'm going to put this, I'm going to paint this room red. I'm going to, to, to bring in the things that truly delight me. So oh. to find that on the, um, on the surface area. Yeah. That yeah. is beautiful. Well, Nicole, in closing, this has just been amazing. I've just, we could keep talking hours. I was not worried. No, I know. We all are talkers, but it's so rich and so deep. And even as we're talking, I could feel the weightiness of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's life-changing. Like what it you're is. sharing is life-changing is. Yeah. for us and yeah. for people listening. It is. Yeah. 
because we don't know if, but it's when storms will come. It's they I come. Think people got to know that they got to know that it's not a matter of if, it's when. And so I love what you said about community being rooted and established in Christ, being rooted and established in a community. How important it is that for that mm-hmm. being a part of a church community, all of the things that you've intentionally talked about, and then allowing God to do the work mm-hmm. that he, only He could do in those storms. Mm-hmm. He can only do it when we mm-hmm. lean on Him. Mm-hmm. But I love for you to close us with. What's your life scripture? What is something you love to share? That's so interesting you said that. So my life scripture, um, we put it on our wedding invitation. Wow. Um, And it says, Colossians 117, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And I, wow. Yeah. And so, wow. Like when you see parts of your life literally unravel. Yeah. And you go, wow, from the day we said I do. You said, I put you together and I will do this. Like, Say it one more time. Uh, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. All yeah. things so, hold yeah, together. that's our that's my verse. And um, and yeah, it's a real life verse. It's it's anchoring. It's mm-hmm. anchoring. I mean, scriptures are so rich and God makes f- some verses fresh for seasons. Yeah. But that has just stood that time, yeah. uh, that time test at the time. It wasn't, you know a verse from Ruth or Corinthians that was what we were choosing to focus on. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little gift from the Lord yeah. uh, now looking back. Yeah, and for sure. he is so, uh, um, he's a never ending depth to pool. Like, yes. Mm. And he knew that that was the verse that you were going to need mm-hmm. to go back to again and again mm-hmm. for what was going to unfold in your life and through your life. I think one of the things that stood out as you were just describing, you know, kind of the the journey of joy in your life is that joy came in the midst of all of the sadness too, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of the disappointment, the grief, the loss, like there was moments of joy and you had to look for it. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and and I think for a lot of people listening that are in a dark season, that are mm-hmm. walking through mm-hmm the fire of their circumstance, the fire of the mm-hmm. difficulty of that diagnosis of that relationship that's falling apart of, mm-hmm. you know, that stressful situation at work or whatever it is that's going on in their life that they feel like hopeless in, a little bit hopeless in. There mm-hmm. is an anchor that we can hold to enjoy mm-hmm. that it, it doesn't necessarily feel like giddiness no. and happiness and lightness but there's an anchor that holds us that goes deeper and an ability for God. God can give us an ability to see and be thankful. It's almost like as you were talking, I could hear gratitude. Yes, 100%. Almost like joy was found in gratitude yes, and just so being able true. to yes. see mm. yeah. a peaceful moment in the morning mm-hmm. with the Lord, to be able to see, you know, somebody gave you a card at work or showed up and took you for lunch or, or gave me flowers, you know, or, or brought, yeah, brought you flowers or even just called you that day or just an unexpected text message. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. to see it and to have gratitude for that in mm-hmm. that moment, there's this anchor of joy that, that comes. And I would say that uh, on top of that, like one of the disciplines I did in that season is I wrote for a full day, we were coming up to our 20th wedding anniversary. So for a full year, or maybe maybe it was three months. Uh, I can't remember. It was a tiny little book. I wrote something I was thankful for about him, uh, my husband, so that he would receive. I think it was like fifth. I think it was a year. Anyway, it was huge. And so it was just like a thing I was thankful for, so that I could see God at work 
right in the process right. as well but right. i think it's a discipline of gratitude brings the joy agreed so I, you know i really agreed. do i don't think because agreed. even there's days where you wake up and it's a little bit on the wrong side and your <laughs> things are a little bit off yeah. and you just stop and go i just do a top 10 real quick in my devotional right. time with the lord right. I, it's a top 10 day like right. because you were always like i lay out the prayers or the words or the things yeah. you're teaching yeah. and showing but if i just stop and go top 10 look yeah. what you just did look yeah how you just showed up you're such yeah. a beautiful show off you're just amazing so yeah. like just to yeah. really see god th- th- in your day so i think that yeah. discipline i think joy is highly connected to gratitude agreed now that you know now that agreed. we're just talking about that so yeah yeah so good wow well that was a conversation yes <laughs> Oh, so good. Well, we so thank you for taking time with us. And we just hope that you're encouraged if you're in a difficult situation and you're just walking something that you feel a little bit hopeless about, or you feel like you're not sure when it's going to end, or you're not sure if or when you're going to get out of the storm, or you're in it like Nicole, you're in it. You're just in it Mm -hmm. and walking it out every day. We hope that this has been an encouragement to you um, and that you know that you're not alone. You're not alone in it. And Rhonda and I just want to remind you as we go today that God has complete confidence in you and that you are crowned as a daughter of the King. Be blessed and we love you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you.